The Lord be with you. A reading of the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Glory to you, O Lord. The two disciples recounted what had taken place on the way and how Jesus was made known to them in the breaking of bread. While they were still speaking about this, Jesus stood in their midst and said to them, Peace be with you. But they were startled and terrified and thought that they were seeing a ghost. Then he said to them, Why are you troubled? And why do questions arise in your hearts? Look at my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. Touch me and see, because a ghost does not have flesh and bones as you can see I have. And as he said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. While they were still incredulous for joy and were amazed, he asked them, Have you anything here to eat? They gave him a piece of baked fish. He took it and ate it in front of them. He said to them, These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses and in the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the Scriptures. And he said to them, Thus it is written that the Christ would suffer and rise from the dead on the third day, and that repentance for the forgiveness of sins would be preached in his name to all the nations beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. The Gospel of the Lord. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. So I'll ask you, if you could be anywhere doing anything, what would it be? Oh, I'd be here, I'd be there, I'd be doing that. You know, you can fill in the blanks. Now, some of you are super smart and you're like, oh, we're in church, I know the answer to this question, I'm going to say right here, right now, you know, I'm not going to mess that up. Okay, fine, fine. But I'm, t- I'm talking about just kind of in life in general. How much of our lives do we spend wishing we were someone else, somewhere else, with someone else, doing something else, rather than right here and right now, where we are. Hmm. And these little dudes, our phones haven't really helped us out very much, have they? Because I'm constantly texting and I'm snapping and I'm on social media or I'm looking something up because I want to be there. I want to be with that person. I want to be doing that. Not right here, right now with those who are right around me. And you got to ask yourself, what does that do to us? This sort of dissatisfaction with what's now? What does that do to our hearts? What does it do to our relationships, especially with with God? You know, ironically, in the name of the series is what's next, and I think that's what it does with God. It makes him what's next, next, later, you know, some other time. This last year, we've had to postpone all kinds of things. Take, for example, doctor's appointments or tests that should have been done now, (laughs) And we postpone them with deleterious effects. And over the last year, a lot of people, a lot of us maybe even, have postponed God. You know, later, when this is over, when I don't have to wear a mask anymore, or when it's finally safe, when everything's sort of back to normal, then I'll get more serious about God, and I'll get back to church, and I'll get more involved, yeah, yeah, later. Now, it's not that the pandemic, that this is unique to the pandemic by any means. I think what the pandemic does is it highlights a problem we often have. Later, God. Later. The only God we have, friends, 
is the God of the present. There is no God of the future in that sense. It's the God who's before us now. But see, this is the great joy of Easter. The living Lord, the resurrected one, he's here and he's now and he's showing himself to us. So as we're here looking at this the second week of our series, What's Next? This, today we're going to actually ponder the question, what's now? Now, it is, of course, not unique to Christianity to say, live in the now. Everybody sort of says that, don't they? Because there's a certain sense that, you know, the sands of the hourglass are falling, and you better grab them while you can. And when, the more you think about that, there's, that's a little bit fatalistic, isn't it? You know, what's now? Grab onto it. What's now while you can, because soon it's going to be gone. Here's what makes us as Christians unique. For us, it's, it's always win-win. It's always win-win, because Jesus is risen. So no matter what happens now, what great things can happen to us now, better things are going to come because we're going to rise. I don't know if you caught this as I opened with, with the opening prayer. Beautiful prayer. Listen to this. May your people exalt you forever, O God, praise you, in renewed youthfulness of spirit, so that rejoicing now in the restored glory of our adoption, we're his sons and daughters, we may also look forward in confident hope to the rejoicing of the day of resurrection. And, and here's how that plays out for us then. We, as Christians, don't have to cling to every great thing that happens to us as if it's going to be the last great thing that ever happens to us. More is to come. And yet, as present moments, as God gives to us his gifts in these present moments, as Jesus comes to us now, we can rejoice in that and receive it. Because here's what God is doing. He's getting us ready for what's next by giving to us everything now, everything that he gives of himself to us now. So what I want to do is look at our three readings this morning very quickly, because there's several things they, they give us what we can do now. What's now? So first of all, the Acts of the Apostles. Man, Peter was just giving it to that crowd. You denied Jesus. You betrayed him. You asked for a murderer to be given to you, and you killed the Lord of life. Whew! Now, of course, we might be tempted to say, oh, wait, time out, Peter. Who are you to judge us? Didn't you deny Jesus like three times? Yeah. Yes, I did. I failed him. You failed him. Our leaders failed him. We all failed him. But God has raised him from the dead to punish us. I'm back from the dead to destroy you. No, no, no. What our God does, what Jesus does, he comes, he comes to show himself to us, to call us, to call us back. Yes, I failed him. Here's one of the biggest problems we have with what's now and, and, and living in what's now is that we don't know how to deal with what was. We keep carrying around with us the things that we have done, like a bunch of heavy baggage, right? And it's filled with guilt and shame and all kinds of regret. And we keep hauling it around with us wherever we go. And we let it define us and we let it color us. We let it sort of warp and distort how we see everything, how we see everybody else. It, it ruins our, our present relationships and, and even our relationship with God. 
And what Peter's saying is like, yeah, yeah, I did that. But did you hear what he said? But now, brothers and sisters, now repent. Repent. Be converted. Be changed. Let go of that now, not later. Now, get rid of that. It's one of the hardest things to do for all of us, to come to grips with what we've done. Yeah, I did that. It's hard to say, I'm sorry for what I did, or, or I, really, I, I really messed up. It's so difficult to do that. And yet that is the point of liberation, and here's why. Because when we repent, every time we repent, He never fails. Jesus comes and He meets that point of repentance always with forgiveness and mercy. Peter says to them, repent so that it can be blotted out, so that it can be wiped out, so that it can be taken away and removed from you. In our second reading from 1 John, it goes on to say this, if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous one. He is expiation for our sins. Jesus is our advocate. He's now at the right hand of the Father, and he looks to his Father and he says, I died for that. I, I, I covered that. Father, forgive that, whatever it is that we've done. And so once we really come to embrace that forgiveness now, once we repent and we're forgiven in the now, now we can do the second thing that John goes on to talk about, and that's keep his commandments. The way that we may be sure that we know him is to keep his commandments. Those who say, I know him, but do not keep the commandments are liars. And the truth is not in them, but whoever keeps his word, the love of God is truly perfected in him. His commandments are not just rules. You know, do them or be punished. They're much more than that. But you know what? They're also not options. Nice suggestions of what you might do if you feel like it. You know another problem a lot of us have right now? is that we want all the benefits of a relationship with God. Oh, yeah, of course I want heaven. Of course I want to live forever. Oh, of course I want God to help me out when I need him. But we aren't really interested in a relationship with God. We're not interested in investing in him. We're not interested in keeping his commandments. What John says, though, is that's how we come to know him. That's how his love is perfected in us. See, God's commandments reveal to us his heart. His commandments are good because he is good and he wants what's good for us. Okay, so what can we do now? We can repent and be forgiven. We can keep his commandments. Here's the third thing, to see Jesus, to see him. Again, we spend so much of our life wishing we were somewhere else doing something else instead of right here, right now with what's right in front of us. Every present moment is Jesus, the risen one, showing himself to you. Every present moment is laced with his gifts, growing love in you. And a lot of times, he does that through the person he puts right in front of you. And sometimes it's your loved one, your family, your friend, that person he puts right in front of you. That's how he shows himself to you. Sometimes it's the stranger that you meet. It's that person right there. But then there is right here and right now, this moment that we have, this once-a-week time that we have to come here to be together. Because just as Jesus did in the gospel reading, this is what he's doing with us. 
He comes into the midst of a, of a bunch of confused, scared, and anxious disciples. Is that not us? And he shows himself to us, the risen one. He's alive. And he eats with us and shares this meal. And he opens our minds and our hearts to the Holy Scriptures. Friends, let's not want to be anywhere else than right here, right now. Let's take a time to just pray a little bit about that. To pray, Lord, Lord, open my mind, open my heart, open my eyes. I'm not asking you to show me what's next. Show me what's now. Show me you, Jesus.